Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? cursed a fig tree on his way and then he cleansed the temple. And we know why he cleansed it, because it had become a den of thieves. These religious men of Israel who were blind spiritually had turned it into a den of thieves. And then we see as they are, they are coming back to that area, they see this fig tree the next day and Peter's in awe of what's happened to it, that it actually has been cursed, that it's actually withered. This tree, this fig tree, that we know it applies to our lives too because it had leaves. It looked healthy on the outside. And I challenge each one of us. We can look like a Christian on the outside. We can look healthy like a healthy fig tree. But inside, that fig tree was withered. It was dead at the roots. And ultimately, though, that's a a picture of Israel, of the religious leaders and the picture of Israel. Because a fig tree is often a picture of Israel in the scripture. But we know they looked good. They had a religious system. They had their temple. They had all their garb, all the religious leaders, but inside they were dead. And so ultimately, that's where we find ourselves today as we start Mark 11, verse 22. I'm going to read through verse 26, but Lord willing, we will get through this chapter today. Starts this way. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. And God, we just declare today that we are open to it. We are open to your change. We're open to your sanctification, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon our hearts and our minds and let your word take hold like we know it does. Let it take root and let it bring life to our hearts and minds. Unlike this fig tree, Lord, let us have life within us. And God, we know because when there's life within us, it spreads outward. And Lord, we want to be those who others see as a beautiful, shining example of what we're supposed to be in you, serving you, loving you, and serving your people. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's remember what Jerusalem looks like this time of year. It's the Passover. And so there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. If you read Josephus, he said that there are anywhere from one to two million people in Jerusalem during Passover week. That's a lot of people, and that's a lot, especially if you go and visit that area, which we will next year, Lord willing, unless I'd rather have the rapture happen. I know you all would too, but, um, but that's our plan. If the rapture doesn't happen, we're going to Israel. However, um, it was a very busy time. It's not a huge area, and so this was jam-packed full of people. This is very busy. This is the time of Passover. 
And we know that Jesus presented himself on Sunday as Messiah, as king on that donkey. He came humbly on a donkey into Jerusalem. And then we know on Monday, he cursed that fig tree in the morning. He cleansed the temple in the afternoon and, and called it a, a den of thieves. But then we saw the events of Tuesday morning, the day after he cursed the tree for not having first fruits. And remember, I told you that there's a first fruits that happens on those fig trees where you could still eat it. It just wasn't as sweet or as filling. But Jesus cursed it because there was no fruit in it. Again, that's a picture of Israel. It's a picture of, you know, even us who might not have any fruit in our lives. We look good on the outside, but we're dead on the inside. But then we hear that Peter is amazed by this, and we love the fact that Peter's like a little kid. A lot of times, you know, I can relate. But he says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. That's what he says. And then Jesus responds to him, which I've just read you some of the passage, but let's go over verses 22 through 24 again. And this is Jesus' response to the cursing of that fig tree and what happened to it and Peter's amazement. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, this is a very misunderstood, misused passage of scripture, and we'll get into that. But something to notice here first is this expression. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Understand during that time in their literature and among the rabbis of those days and among the religious people, this was somewhat of a common saying. Rabbis and teachers who had great answers, who were seen as, you know, Rabbi Hillel was one example. They were seen as these great rabbis who had such wisdom and they had such solutions for these complex problems. They were called rooter up of mountains. That's how it, it comes across in Hebrew. The rooter up of mountains. And so in context, this isn't literally talking about a mountain, about a literal mountain. However, we know the Lord can certainly move literal mountains and has. Um, but... Really what it's talking about is those solving great difficulties, solving great issues, great difficulties, things that seem impossible in our lives. And I think that context for us is applicable for sure, because I think we all face things that seemingly they are impossible. They seem they are a mountain in our lives. And so that's what's being said. But in context, I also want us to, to know something else. Before we look deeper at this passage to see what Jesus is teaching us, let me start with what he's not teaching us. Because this is key. Remember, we need the full counsel of God's word. When you take a verse or a passage out of context, you can cause a lot of problems for yourself and others. And I think we've seen that, especially with passages like this. What Jesus is not saying here is that you and I can do whatever we want in our prayer, in our prayer life, that we can pray selfishly of the desires we want, especially earthly things. He is not saying that we can command God to get what we desire. At a cursory you know, look, glance at this scripture, I can see how people would get that. This is why we have to be compassionate when people misunderstand passages like this. But it's simply because they're not looking at other scripture. They're not looking at the scripture that say that, you know, riches can cause so much problem in your life and that we're not to focus on those things or that we're to pick up our cross and follow Christ or that we're going to endure suffering like he did and if the world hated him, they're going to hate us. When you take the full counsel of God's word, then this sticks out like a sore thumb and you go, wait a second, I don't understand. I can understand, though, how taken out of context, some might use this for their name and claim it doctrine. But I want us to understand something else, too. Because where it says, have faith in God, Greek scholars say that the, the real 
way this is translated, the accurate way this is translated is not faith in God, but faith of God. If you have the faith of God. Do you understand how it aligns you and I immediately? Even if, if our understanding is faith in God, it aligns us to immediately understand that whatever, pray we, whatever prayer we're praying, it must be aligned with God's will. God is not going to answer your prayers if it goes contrary to his will. And so this is where a lot of people make mistakes. Lord, I want that Mercedes. I want that mansion. I want that, you know, big bank account. And the Lord's like, no, it would destroy you. My will is not that you have that. Well, well, it says right here in your scripture, if I just pray and say, this is what I want, that's not what's being said. What's being said is if your will is lined up with God's will, if your heart is aligned with him, and you pray those things with the faith of God, his faith, the faith in God, it doesn't matter how you look at it, but the faith of God, then you know you're going to be aligned with his will. And I've seen so many people be heartbroken or get bitter with God when they don't get their prayer answered because they've been taught falsely that they can just pray whatever they want and it's going to happen. God, you didn't heal that person. God, you didn't come through with what I wanted, that job, that house, that car, these possessions, these worldly things. And the Lord says, yeah, you're right. Because they would destroy you. They would harm you. I don't want that for you. And this is another thing, you know... um, This is why our hearts have to be right before the Lord. Because many times, if our hearts are right before the Lord, what is it, Matthew 6, 33? Somebody check me on that. I think that's what it is. But it's, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Seek God with your whole heart and seek after what he wants for your life, and that is righteousness. When you do that, your heart is aligned. Your heart becomes alive with his will and his purpose. And so your prayer is no longer a laundry list of, Lord, I want this, and I want that. It's, Lord, what do you want? It's, Lord, I'm not trying to force you to become uh, conformed to my will, but, Lord, I want to be conformed to your will. That's the faith of God. That's the prayer offered in the faith of God. When we're lined up, you know, there was a story about a, a little boy who, uh, and I can relate, you know, I know it's hard to believe I was a little bit of a heathen as a young man, as a young boy, and I know, I appreciate you guys not believing that, but my poor mom, I've told you before. But here's the thing, so the little boy at Sunday school, he hears that our prayers aren't to be selfish, that we're not supposed to pray for a bunch of selfish things, and he'd been praying for a bicycle for a year. And he was convicted by this. And, and the teacher said, he said, well, what do I pray for? He says, she said, pray for the things God wants us to pray for. And so he said, great. So he went out and stole the bike and prayed for forgiveness. <laughs> See, don't be that guy either. See, we're always trying to find loopholes. Have you ever noticed that? People are always trying to find loopholes. But the other thing that people miss when they study this passage is, do you understand Jesus is talking directly to his disciples? He's talking about their mission. Not that the principle doesn't apply to us, because the principle does apply. The principle of this passage applies to us. But he's very specifically talking to his 12, and even more specifically to 11 of them. Because they're going to have to do some very special things. Now, they're not better than us. They just had a different calling. And this is one of the things, when we start to look at contentment, one of the things we must be content with is whatever God has called us to. Don't try to be something you're not. If you're a hand in the church, don't try to be a foot. It's the most frustrating thing ever, first of all to yourself, but also to everyone around you. The Lord has called all of us to something special within the body of Christ. And when you embrace what you're called to, amazing things happen. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. 
Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.